Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? Ben, it's it's the week between, as as one of our friends and songwriters puts it. Uh huh. This will be our first episode of 2019. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, I'm right. When you said yeah, I thought you were saying like, uh, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like normal. Duh. It's very confusing. You know, like uh, in my household, whenever anyone answers a question uh, with the word sure, <laughs> it is a real fuck you to the question yeah. asker most of the time. Like, do you want to get Thai food tonight? <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, because as we both know, sure is neither affirmative nor negative. Uh, it's, it's, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I'm potentially harboring some deep resentment of you. <laughs> what, it, what it really means is I don't give a shit about how the rest of the evening's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Every, everything after this point, you should just factor in, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> yeah yeah clearly yeah uh end of the year 2018 really makes you think i mean it's weird to say because at least half of the people that listen to this show are not like listening the week an episode comes out so to those of you listening in 2020 or 2021 i'm sorry i even brought it up a divided listenership cannot stand ben I guess I don't know why we would separate them into groups of currents and and past people. Do you think we should just take the episodes off the internet once they're a week old? Is that what you're proposing? <laughs> proposing? I think that would be a uh, a career limiting move. Is what that would be. <laughs> yeah, I just don't understand what you're saying at all. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just something to think about. I guess. Yeah. Feeling pretty introspective, Ben. I I got pretty hammered at a karaoke bar last night. Oh yeah, this was the uh, this was the work holiday party for n- not your work but your wife's. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun to just tie one on as much as you possibly can in that kind of context. I had a I had a pact with. Uh, one of my wife's friend's husbands that went like, if one of us bails, both of us will bail. <laughs> and so when I arrived on the scene and saw he wasn't there, but his wife was, I knew I'd been double-crossed. Oh, man. Yeah, I was pretty fucked. That's dirty. Yeah, real dirty. Can't trust that guy anymore. No, no. I, <laughs> I liked him, too. It's too bad. It's over. But you know what? A, a good friend of mine, when I was dealing with uh, some betrayal in my own life, once told me, I love it when my friends move sideways on me, because then I know where they stand. <laughs> you know? Now, like, you know you know that this guy can't be trusted with an arrangement like that going yeah, forward. Yeah, you, You're not going to get burned twice. Now I know. Fool me once, 
Shame on. Don't get mad at him. Just incorporate it into your understanding of the kind of character he has <laughs> and, and, you know, use that going forward. I would say maintain the friendship. Yeah. Maintain the friendship knowing that I have this intel. He can't fucking. I mean, you know, and, and I, I, maybe just in, in a mindset to think about people being tricky given <laughs> the subject matter of today's episode. But, uh, I mean, like, uh, that. That's actually awesome because you can have a great friendship with that person as long as you know that they're not to be trusted. Yeah, uh, a foundation of of deception and lies is a <laughs> yeah, it's a great foundation. It's, it's as valid friendship. as any other way to start a friendship. Yeah, I agree. You know what? You're right, Ben. I've been looking at this all wrong. What happened last night was really a gift. I told you everything you need to know. A gift that I had planned on returning, but now. <laughs> Or regifting? See, like, because my because my instinct is for revenge, and uh, and grudge holding, but now yeah. I'm not going to do that. You always say that your instinct is for revenge and grudge holding. I don't know anybody that you've revenged yourself on, or that you have a grudge with. That's that's you're, because you're a pretty friendly guy. You, they are no longer in my orbit. You would never have cause to <laughs> to cross their paths ever. God, it fucking terrifies me every time you say that, though, <laughs> given how entangled we've made our, our own lives. I'm sure everything's going to work out fine, Ben. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> I'm making... Uh, I'm making, Is that a threat or a promise, Adam? <laughs> I'm making Garrick jazz hands over here. you got to believe me. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Ben, I have no probable cause to dissolve our friendship. I'll give you some. Pro- <laughs> don't don't worry. I'll eventually find a way to give you probable cause. <laughs> Unlike the cause in today's episode, Ben, which is of the improbable kind. Yeah. God, just like staggering out of the blocks on this one. Like I, I like, didn't even. I didn't. I I honestly didn't even pick up what you were putting down, Adam. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, we we had like 15 minutes of lag in between sitting down and starting to record, and I managed to drink like half a glass of mezcal in that time. Whoa. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Would you like to join me in my uh, mezcal party? Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'm going uh, to go do that right now. That'll make yeah. me feel better. You step away from the mic, you fill up a glass, and I'll introduce Season 3, Episode 20, Improbable Cause. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. We start with a scene that we get for maybe half of the DS9 episodes this season. (laughs) It's mealtime with Garrick and Bashir. It's the Garrick and Bashir lunchtime hang. I often start a uh, a a notes session for an episode with like the same uh, format of titling and like a section for my Shimoda and all those things. I imagine the teleplay writers for this show are just starting with the opening scene <laughs> undeleted every time. <laughs> Garrick and Bashir sit outside of Quarks enjoying a meal. I thought it was interesting that they were outside of Quarks because in the episode with the Lethian that zapped Bashir, they were at the they were at the Replimat and Quark <clears throat> kind of like hounded them about coming in and trying his new menu. We just introduced a new lunch menu at the bar. Goodbye, Quark. So I guess marketing works. Yeah. 
does indeed. Uh, for an episode that Quark is not in, his reputation sure is. Oh shit, Doug. Didn't even notice that. Yeah. Maybe he's serving time for some of the horrible crimes he's recently committed. <laughs> we can only hope <laughs> he's not walking the station a free man. They spent a little time talking here about how Bashir is a fast eater, and I thought that the uh, like speculation about that that Garrick did was pretty fun, thinking about, you know, humanity as a species that has lived in total abundance for generations, and yet... Bashir is eating like he's uh, running out of time. I really admire this about uh, Garrick, his ability to level a judgment on a person or a situation that isn't taken in a table-flipping, hissy fit (laughs) of a reaction. I think part of it is he delivers it so surgically that I feel like the other party most times just has to admire it almost. Admire it right. to, the, to the degree that they wouldn't be upset upon hearing it. Perhaps someone should do a study. He also, like, he just says so much shit, and some of it's bullshit, some of it's the truth. He's kind of the Nene Leaks of of this show in a, in a lot of ways. I don't think uh, I get I, that reference. Oh, uh, she's one of the real housewives of Atlanta, Adam. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I was expecting right. something literary. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> uh, you know, she's always, uh, you know, just uh, stirring the pot, always uh, kind of over overstating the truth in a way that <laughs> riles people. But uh, but you know, she also talks a lot of shit that's totally baseless. So so it somehow works. I love the idea that the writers of the show, you know dropping all of the Shakespeare references they can, would eventually find that their great effort in 1995 was compared 23 years later (laughs) to a reality show about rich wives. Cool. (laughs) I got a very angry email from somebody at some point about my mentioning the existence of those shows. Really? How'd it go? Basically was saying, like, my partner watches those shows and I hate them. And so I don't want to have to hear about them on a show about a show that I like. Boy, it doesn't sound like that's your problem at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, they they don't exactly wrap their lunch up. Bashir just has something he urgently needs to get to. And he clears out of there. They bump into Major Kira briefly. And she's kind of occupying Bashir's time uh, long enough for Garrick to slip away and into his office, which promptly explode. As a matter of fact, Bashir to infirmary. Medical emergency on the promenade. Yeah, it's uh, thimbles everywhere. <laughs> Bashir- oh, yeah, the shrapnel of all the little <laughs> needles coming out of their pin cushions <laughs> blowing into the hallway. Just a, a Claymore mine filled with those uh, circular razor blade cutters. <laughs> Bashir does something here that I really wanted to call attention to, which is like before the first pieces of debris even hit the ground, Bashir has combadged the medical emergency in progress. Like he yeah. is Johnny on the fucking spot here. I liked that, but it also made me think about that Lethian episode again where when he's not in six bay, it's closed. Yeah. <laughs> so who's he calling? 
<laughs> Cut to the infirmary with that paper clock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> he just does it for appearance. Yeah. 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 The thing that uh, that he and Kira were talking about was uh, some Yolosians are coming to the station. They're trying to get the atmosphere right in their quarters. You think Yolosians are like cool millennial aliens that do extreme shit because you only live once? I don't think so, Ben. Cool. Yes, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why my mind went to Al Borland there. That's a deep, deep callback. Well, you know, it's hard to uh, extricate Al Borland from YOLO. You know, in most people's minds. What is is that? Uh, did I go A to C there? Is that what that was? You went A to F U. <laughs> Oh, didn't mean to make you feel that way. It's okay. <laughs> Let's move on. It's the, it's we'll the cut mis, all this it's out. It's the Ms. Cow talking. <laughs> it turns out that this bomb that uh, went off in the in the tailoring store was a species-triggered bomb. It, it uh, like, smells for pheromones or something, and uh, it smelled a nasty Cardassian walk in there, went off. This is a type of bomb favored by a species called flaxians yeah flaxians known for their uh, great ability to digest things <laughs> yeah for there being the uh <laughs> the basis for a a a cloth made out of aliens called linalian <laughs> they're uh, the flaxians are into that smoothie lifestyle ben oh yeah yeah it's great. You can eat it and wear it. You know, uh, you know when they when they make love, they uh, they shoot flax seeds. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're mentioning the pheromonic sensor, Ben, and I think this is a pretty fun Star Trek ne- technology, like the, yeah. the bomb sniffing bomb. Yeah, it smelled Garrick. Didn't like what it smelled. It went off. Scent is so is so often uh, unregarded in Star Trek. We talk about it all the time. The the abandoned right. ship full of dead bodies that no one regards the smell of. Yeah. What a Cardassian here may or may not smell smell like. I wish Odo <laughs> mentioned something about that. Like, boy, uh, the pheromonic sensor must not have had to work that hard <laughs> because Garrick smells like shit all the oh, time. Yeah. Maybe this episode is trying to do some work to right that wrong because later on Odo talks about how he doesn't even have a sense of smell. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, they get a bead on this on this Flaxian and they're like, all right, well, uh, we're going to pull this guy in and, uh, and, and interview him. You know, he's, he's posing as like a traveling salesman. Yeah. Yeah. They they bring him into like an interrogation room. Is this is the interrogation room just the conference room that they typically have McLaughlin groups in? Issue one. Yeah, it is this wardroom playset. This flax assassin comes with a with a, <laughs> a box of samples. Yeah, it's pretty great. That'll be a bright green unpainted plastic in the yeah. playmates toy of this character. Right? Yeah, <laughs> truly is. Fun bit of business, though, how it opens up, and it's got mirrors inside and stuff. Yeah, and it's full of, uh, he, he, he sell, he's a fine perfumer, and uh, Odo is uh, 
is shopping for a friend. A lady friend? Exactly. Presumably Major Kira, but uh, he, you know, doesn't say. He's too much of a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He's taking the Flaxian through the different scents he might be interested in and having him describe them. And uh, he gets to a point where he's like, oh, like maybe I'll mix some of these. So he's mixing a floral perfume and a musky perfume and he's about to add one that's described as spicy <laughs> and this guy like sticks his hand in between the uh the dropper and the petri dish maybe we could add a drop of this as well i really don't think they would go well together how would you describe your preferred fragrance ben would you say musky or spicy <laughs> or floral i would say none at all yeah I'm a very sensitive nose, and uh, I, I really just don't care for a, an artificial scent at all. You and me both, man. I don't like... I feel very lucky that my wife can take or leave them, because if uh, if she really wanted to wear them, it would be a tricky thing. Yeah. I can't even deal with a uh, with like a, a dryer sheet scent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I need an unscented dryer sheet. Yeah. I had a roommate back in the day when I lived in Brooklyn who... Uh, he would put on like body spray and he would be in his room with the door closed and I would be in my room with the door closed on like clear on the other side of the house and he would put that stuff on and I would start sneezing in my room. Wow. Before I even smelled it. That stuff is bad. Yeah, I don't I don't dig it. I mean, you know. I I it's totally like understand that's a- for people. <laughs> I understand that it's like a, a big turn on for some people or, or whatever, but uh, it was never for me. I had a brief uh, period in like middle school where I thought I was supposed to be into cologne. I think but, uh, a lot I, of people fall in that trap, dude. Yeah. Who Whose fault is that? Is that dad's fault? I, like, yeah, like somebody should have pulled me aside and been like, this is not really a thing. Yeah, there was a time to get out in front of that. Yeah. I mean, I remember my mom telling me about, like, some boyfriend of hers that had some particular cologne that he wore. So I must have thought it was cool. And she must have thought it was cool. She must have thought she was friends with you to be telling you about her boyfriends. What the hell? What is that about, Ben? I don't know, man. Like She's she just, allowed to have a life before she met my father? She just openly talks about the great smelling men she knew before your dad. My parents were both married before they met and married each other. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so good for, uh, good for them. Yeah, they lived an entire life before I came around. It's hard for me to imagine uh, <laughs> my own life before you came around. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that, uh, that satisfies a deep solipsistic need in my head to... Uh, <laughs> be the only important thing in anyone's life yeah (laughs) you know as an only child uh thank you for saying that you got it ben (laughs) garrick Um, hands over here so this flaxian guy is not for sure the assassin but they're pretty sure and so they uh they lowjack his car and uh, and they allow him to think he's getting off the station without being arrested. And the idea is that Odo is going to tail his ship with a runabout. And when he gets to the runabout to to start the tail, uh, who is there but Garrick? And Garrick is excited about going on a road trip. Garrick has his small bag packed. 
Yeah. He's that ready to go. Right. Pretty fun. And I mean, for an episode that talks about how Garrick never leaves the station, Garrick is on like ready to go <laughs> in this episode. And I can think back on a few other times he's left the station. So I don't get it. This is a pretty low tech bit of manipulation he deploys here because he's just filibustering. Like, mm-hmm. it, he's not doing anything super smart to be able to go on this trip. He's like, you know, Odo, you're just taking too much time trying to get me off the runabout. We should really be chasing <laughs> that Flaxian ship about now, right? If we don't get started soon, he's going to get out of range. And every second you're sitting here talking to me, he's getting away, so... Even though Odo point. could change himself into a slide that <laughs> that whisks him off of the runabout at any moment... He does Odo not. Could just could just expand to fill the space and push Garrick out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I'd kind of like to see, actually. Yeah. This poor Flaxian and his ship explodes upon going to warp. So while they do begin this pursuit, it doesn't get very far. Road trip over. Yeah. Kind of a bummer, right? It's like uh, getting a flat tire before you leave town. Yeah. It's not good fucking sucks sounds like every family road trip of my childhood (laughs) a lot of car problems adam they get a post game this explosion and they do so in the wardroom with the mclaughlin group issue two and uh around the table is dax o'brien cisco odo and garrick he's invited to the group that's fun dude stop acting like you're the number one guy in this group man i'm the number one guy in this group He's not quite around the table he's he's like off staring fairly dumbfounded out the window and uh and they're really puzzled about who might have tried to kill him they have some indication that there was like a romulan device used in the explosion so maybe they, the romulans had something to do with op- offing the flaxian but the observation odo makes is that because garrick is not dissembling and trying to obscure the truth or or throw them off the scent this might be the first time he actually doesn't have any idea what's going on. Mm. Yeah, it's weird how they make Eric stand off to the side. You'd never do that to Clarence Page. I don't know who Clarence Page is. He's the one who's not Pat Buchanan or Eleanor Clift. <laughs> <laughs> there's Clarence and then there's like Mort Zuckerman, right? Yeah, and yeah, you know, don't they, don't, doesn't that fourth chair rotate quite yeah. a bit? Yeah, the, the, my point is none of them are standing. I think that was also your point. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. They blow in a call to the Romulans, and uh, this Romulan lady they talk to basically answers all of the questions they ask with clear and concise answers, and uh, you know says like, uh, "Yeah, we tried. We we killed that Flaxian guy. Um, <laughs> he disappeared uh, her, in a in a poof of flaxseed dust." I know, it's hard. It was dumb when we did it before. (laughs) Why relive that pain? (laughs) Share your pain, Ben. (laughs) Share it with me. Each man hides a secret pain. It must be exposed. You're right about how helpful this Romulan is. She's not covering up anything at all. She cops to killing this guy. She also... uh, Looks different from most other Romulans, Ben, and I don't think it's because she's Tal Shiar. They changed the Romulan uniforms this episode. 
They sure did. They're they're much less broad of shoulder. They're still pretty like squared off on the shoulders, but uh, they can walk but- to uh, abreast now uh, down a <laughs> down a any hallway. And I think for a long time that's been a problem. Yeah, I wonder if their uh, their cat baskets change because mm. uh, we can't tell from this shot. No, but yeah. The, so this um this is sort of a dead end, and they're like, well, fuck. I mean. There was an explosion on the promenade, so like a crime has been committed here, and we need to figure out who did it and why. The the confounding thing is that they just only know so much about Garrick and can't really trust anything that they think they know. So, uh, so Odo offers to go reach out to an Obsidian Order contact of his. A number of times in this episode and the episode that follows, these runabouts are just given away whenever they're asked for. Mm-hmm. Like a frequency we're not used to. It's, this is a scarce uh, item, Ben. That's what I'm trying to say. It's it's also something that we've seen like Kira have to go to Bajor on a commercial flight recently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Maybe now that they have the Defiant, though, they're just like, yeah, yeah fuck the runabouts. Yeah. What's neat about this trip that Odo takes is that uh, he lands on this moon, which is clearly the Star Trek cave that we've seen (laughs) a million times. But uh, Avery Brooks directs this episode, and there are some perspectives in this cave that feel fresh and new. Yeah. So good job by him, like shooting uh, tilted downward from up high, I thought was a really great look. A bit freaksy. Yeah, uh, some interesting vignettes around this uh, the secret contact that Odo has there, and the handheld camera work, which really makes it horror film feeling very very freaky, like he's yeah. being watched. Yeah. Do you get the sense that this contact lives there, or they they agreed to meet here? It it feels a lot like in conspiracy when Picard meets those other yeah. uh, captains on that on that asteroid. Yeah. I like that. This is some greeting, old friend. A lot is implied by this conversation, you know, like that that this this Cardassian really owes Odo for something, and that's why he's giving him this information. The information he's uh, giving him is that there are there's a big uh, Romulan a lot a lot of Romulan troop movements being detected on the Cardassian border that uh, are quite concerning to the Cardassians. And also that Garrick wasn't the only former Obsidian Order operative to have had attempts made on their life in the most recent time period. Five uh, other people lost their lives, uh, you know, in various ways, you know, determined to be accidents or, uh, or you know, dying of illness, but uh, suspicious that they'd, they would all go at once. So uh, it looks like Garrick is actually uh, one of six, and the other five bought it. Pretty great reference you had uh, toward conspiracy here, because this is sort of a an intelligence banger that gets dropped on Odo here. Big stuff. Yeah, it'd be like being told that there were nubbin bugs. Come, have a look. I think I'll summon my science officer. Also, like it, it makes this the way this scene is shot also serves to make Odo the character feel small, right? Like you've got you've got the contact above him at all times. You've got yeah. the shot from above looking below at him. It's really 
like there's a there's a visual language here that serves to make him feel smaller than what is being described as this big puzzle that he doesn't yet understand. You are investigating a very insignificant piece of a much larger puzzle. He gets thrown a computer pad with the names of the other Cardassians that died on it. How many times do you think they did that take? <laughs> I was thinking about how difficult it had to be because the contact throws it from the dark. Right. And and Odo has to catch it as it comes into the light. I, I There's no way to know how many times they did this, but it had to be quite a few, yeah. I think. It's like, uh, it's like shooting racket sports. <laughs> yeah. High degree of difficulty. Uh-huh. <laughs> that makes me wonder, like, did... Did they have like a heap of mattresses on the floor in between the two of them in case the prop fell? Like, or do they have like twenty five of the computer pad just in case? I think that's super smart. I that thing is going to break if it hits the ground, and you don't see the ground below Odo's feet. So I think they they totally mattress that thing down. That's fun. It's fun to imagine all the all the stuff on set. That's yeah, just out it, of frame. Yeah, because I think I read somewhere that they shot DS nine. So that it could eventually be up res to HD in, and, and the full 16.9 aspect ratio. Oh. So it's, it's, inter- it's always interesting when you're watching a show like you to, to just imagine, you know, beyond the edges of your television, all of the things that are in frame. Yeah. And watching this show, there's those two black bars on the side that I just try to imagine like more seen on either side but uh but yeah we never i i don't think we're ever going to get to see it no this is a an episode that particularly makes me want to get that hd remaster yeah you really want to see that mattress don't you Odo heads back to the station and shows these names to Garrick, who is gobsmacked initially uh, to find out that these people are dead, or at least puts on a good show. He's a little bit joyous in his gobsmackification, I think. (laughs) Like, I don't think he, I don't think this is read on him as necessarily bad news. Did you get that feeling? No, he says he would he would have a party if he wasn't terrified. Yeah, yeah, it's a kind of a win. But this is when Odo reveals that he knows that Garrick bombed his own shop. Yeah. So this uh, this scene turns around pretty quickly. It turns out the bombing was a cry for help, <laughs> as bombings often are. <laughs> All of these contacts on this list bin were uh, associated with Inabrintain Ankylosaur. And this is a name that we've heard before. This is a, a, a man that we've met before. This is Garrick's old boss. He's a yeah. he's the the ham in a sweater looking guy <laughs> that used to be uh, pretty high up in the Obsidian Order. I love the description of him as being the retired head of the Obsidian Order and the only one that lived long enough to actually retire. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain uh, implied badassery in that, uh, which I really like. Do you like um, that? Kind of informs the way he is attitudinally, you know? Yeah. Odo's pretty pissed at this point because this is some pretty high-level cloak-and-dagger shit, and it, it would have all just gone right past him if Garrick hadn't set the explosion. Yeah. 
But uh, it becomes clear that Garrick kind of put this all in motion because he thought that Deep Space Nine and by extension Starfleet needed to know about something that is going on and hard to know how much understanding he has of what is going on, but it's obviously very concerning to him. I mean, much like the crying wolf story uh, from earlier in the episode, you can right. you can understand Garrick not just going to Odo needing help because he knows he wouldn't necessarily be believed if he were to do that. If you lie all the time, nobody's going to believe you, even when you're telling the truth. He needed to blow up his shop. That was really the only thing he could do to get his attention. <laughs> And I love I love the idea that Garrick has a totally different moral understanding of the boy who cried wolf than everybody else. Yeah. Are you sure that's the point, Doctor? Of course. What else could it be? That you should never tell the same lie twice. <laughs> that's such good writing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. They blow in a FaceTime call to Mila. This is Tane's housekeeper. Which seems like a really clear and present danger-esque kind of espionage. <laughs> like, who is going to know about uh, the drug dealer's activities better than the housekeeper? The machine is still on, Mila! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the problem is she's super scared because Anabrin isn't home. Yeah. Uh, he is. Uh, he has left town, and she basically puts... It on Garrick to find him. And so Garrick is like, remember that road trip we almost went on? Let's go on it now! <laughs> they they ask Cisco for runabouts like eight times in this episode. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, just, you know, take whichever. That paperwork's got to be a pain in the ass, though. If you're going to rent yeah. a runabout, just take it for the whole day. Yeah, but maybe it's one of those, like... Uh, you know, like the the little blue cars that they have here in L.A. You know, those little, like, electric cars that you can take for an afternoon I'm, I'm whatever. I'm not familiar with those. No, that's a thing? Yeah, it's like a... It, I think it's like Car2Go is, is in other cities. There's a... There's little uh, stations with like five five of the same little mini oh, electric like car charging up. Yeah, we got that in Seattle yeah. under a different name. But yeah, those are cool. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I think that they're named by the city or something like that. So Odo and Garrick reserve a runabout and they uh, head off for the Cardassian border because uh, that's where they believe Inabritain's safe house to be. Yeah, the Unifra system is where they're going to go. And uh, right before they leave, uh, Bashir runs into Garrick in the hallway and, and uh, Garrick pulls a bit on on Bashir. He uh, suggests that Bashir go into into the bombed out uh, remains of his store and like go behind a secret panel and take a isolinear rod out of a hiding place and eat it. Just kidding. <laughs> it's just bits. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No what. You think Bashir would have eaten that rod had had he carried the bit all the way out to its natural conclusion? I don't know. I mean. It seems like long enough that it would be pretty painful to eat, you know? Yeah. And I don't think you would metabolize it. Maybe if you pierced the outside and got to the honey inside. Mm. You want to be sure that any rod eating is purely consensual. 
Doesn't seem like Bashir <laughs> is that interested in this. No. Yeah, I mean, maybe they wanted to have it be cram it up your ass or mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. but but they couldn't because of television. In route to the safe house, uh, Garrick and Odo have a really interesting conversation wherein Odo surmises that Garrick owes Tane something, and that would be the only compulsion for Garrick to risk his life to save him from whatever danger he's fleeing. You owe him something. Ha! A logical deduction. And Garrick just, like, flips the conversational table over right on top of Odo and is like, what would you even know about caring about anyone else at all? Like, you're kind of a fucking hypocrite. What, What could you possibly know about what I guess you and I could call human nature, but like the idea that anyone could care about anyone else is is ridiculous. It's so interesting because Odo is really close to excavating some signs of humanity from Garrick. Yeah. And Garrick is almost like offended by the idea of it. Yeah. For Odo to accuse Garrick of caring and Garrick knowing that Odo's incapable of that is like so... It, it almost goes past being hurtful because it's so true. Yeah. Like, truths that are that harsh, I think most of the time, go without being said because they're so hurtful to reveal. Like, even if all parties know them to be true, right? And so that's what makes this scene so interesting to me. It's like, everyone in the room knows the truth of it, but no one would ever say that in polite company, you know? And it also kind of reveals that they're both very similar to each other. That yeah. like the thing, like the connections that they have, are something that they both consider to be something that they need to conceal from everybody else. Right. They don't get too far past this conversation before a giant Romulan warbird decloaks right above the runabout. Yeah, this is an amazing. Uh, just the feeling of this shot was so fun. I miss I love- this ship. It's one of the best yeah. looking ships, I think. It's a great ship. It's it's uh it's really fun to feel the scale of it, which is not always available, you know, especially when it's nose to nose with the Enterprise, which seems to be roughly the same size. But seeing it seeing it, you know, like a I mean, it's like a star destroyer pulling a, a hammerhead cruiser into its yeah. shuttle bay or whatever it is. It's like really just... a space ball one sense of scale. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like they can't get a distress signal out and they're getting pulled in by a tractor beam. Why are we still moving towards it? And uh, they get pulled on to this Romulan ship and uh, they walk around a corner into an office and there is an Abrantain. Garrick fat shames him almost immediately. Well, you always did have a keen sense of fashion, but you seem to have let it go along with your once trim figure. Like, <laughs> Jesus, Garrick. <laughs> That's an yeah, no, interesting choice. Yeah, not not the uh, the dearly departed boss. Uh, not, not, not what you would necessarily say to that person. No. This is a scene that I think is emblematic of another thing that Avery Brooks does as a director in this episode is that he gives the gift of a long, unbroken 
scene to his actors. And he does that here with both Tane, but especially Garrick. Yeah. They stay on this wider shot and they allow him to speak without cutting away in a in a way that's I think unique to Avery Brooks's sense of direction. It's very fun and stagey and it's all about one upsmanship and Yeah. And uh, you know, there are moments where Garrick is winning the scene, there are moments where Tane is winning the scene, there's a couple of moments where Odo is winning the scene. But what comes out is that uh this is a this is a big uh, a big team up on behalf of the Cardassians and Romulans. And now because of the intel dump that Starfleet gave the Romulans, they know where the founders are and they've put together a 20 starship task force to go basically genocide the founders of the Dominion. Take them off the board. It's a pretty fun callback to both the episode where the Federation is compelled to share all of their uh, Jem'Hadar intelligence with the Romulans that we now know was shared with the Cardassians, but also all of those ships that were being built in the Araya system that were momentarily revealed in a different episode. Like, now we know what those were for. These are the Obsidian Orders ships. And they're uh, they're part of this, and they they've got cloaking devices like they're Pretty they're loaded. out here doing dirt. Yeah. Another thing that we find out in this scene is the cat basket is retained as part of the Romulan uniform, even though the rest of it got some tactical redesigns. Yeah, you're not going to redesign that cat basket. It's perfect as is. <laughs> I just I, I want to see somebody catch that on a door and like knock their disruptor across the room and it accidentally goes off and punches a hole in the hull. There's yeah. a reason why on a Romulan ship you don't get any of those door handles that stick out with an arm or a lever. Like, they're all the round kind. <laughs> yeah. That way your basket doesn't get stuck on it. Yeah. Round kind is, is far superior. I feel like we see more of the inside of a Romulan warbird in this episode than maybe we ever have in any episode of Star Trek. Seriously. It's like a Enterprise-D amount of internal sets, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, a lot going on here. We understand that Tane has been kind of cleaning up all the loose ends of his career leading up to this, yeah. uh, which is why the hit list was created. And uh, Anybody that had any like n- leverage on him or knowledge of him got eliminated. It seems like Tane's presence on the ship as the tip of this first strike sword would indicate how unnecessary that might be, though. Like, once <laughs> once they take the fleet to the other side, like, what harm could those people do? I had, well, I had questions about that. That's true. I mean, I, I wondered what Garrick knew when he blew up his shop, when he decided to blow up his shop, because if he knew it had something to do with Tane, and it seems like he might have, then this makes sense, yeah. right? But... There's also some stuff in this scene, you know, at some point, Tane says, should I send somebody else to kill you? And Garrick is like, oh, no, I actually did the attempted killing on myself, which is surprising to Tane. So I don't know exactly. But it satisfies <laughs> like, Odo. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's weird because it kind of undercuts what Tane's capabilities are. Yeah. While at the same time serving a story purpose. But I want Tane to seem like he's like impossibly diabolical. Yeah. At this point, 
I don't know. It's hard to view him as 10 out of 10 diabolical as long as Garrick cares about him, right? Yeah. And Garrick is there to save him. Like, that's his reason for, for being there. And Garrick's a little hurt that he'd been lumped in with the others on that hit list. I never betrayed you. Yeah, and it's his presence to save Tane that kind of flips Tane's plan around and... Garrick actually gets offered a seat at the table. You can walk out that door or join me. Yeah, when that chair is pulled out, uh, he takes it. Like, he's ready to rejoin the Obsidian Order. And that means, like, he's in on this plan. And the plan is basically go, like, take this genocide fleet into Dominion space, kill the Founder's planet, and, uh, you know, there will probably be a backlash. But the Cardassians and, and Romulans, even if they're you know, the mainstream parts of their governments weren't necessarily on board for this, will be stuck defending themselves at this point. So uh, it will be war. In Abrantine. <laughs> you know, I would have helped if you had only asked. <laughs> as, as someone who is easily able to affect a genocide. <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm just sitting here in Malibu. I don't really have much to do these days. Now that my suspension of disbelief has been ruined by that bastard Captain Picard, and I'm unable to imagine that my wife Rashan is really my wife Rashan, the illusion being broken, I'm just looking for anything to do. I'm trying to get out and socialize more, and if that means doing genocides, I will set my conscience aside. I know for a fact you know where Delta Rana 4 is. <laughs> it's not hard to find. <laughs> I, I would take just getting lunch with you on a weekly basis. It seems like that's something your people are into. And, you know, I, I, I am honestly just reaching out in the void for somebody, anybody. You know, I'm not, I'm not much of a haggler. Really? <laughs> I, I don't like to go to car dealerships and whatnot, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I would, I would genocide the Jem'Hadar for half of the cost of all of these ships that you just built. I mean, just as a starting point. It's not you I hate, car dealer. It's what you made me become. Is that something... With a handshake and a smile, Garrick's back on Team Obsidian Order, and we get a to-be-continued. Yeah, it's handshake with Odo looking horrified in the background, to-be-continued. Odo is kind of in a pickle at this point. Like, <laughs> I, it's hard to recall a character in this much danger, and yet yeah, yeah. with his particular set of skills also. Like, he is... Very powerful and very dangerous, but he is also very far from home. It would be cool if he just killed everyone in the room right then <laughs> and just, like, impersonated Tane's voice on the on the radio and was like, like, we're heading back, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Roll credits. His, his method for killing everyone in the room is like cartoonishly gross. Like he does that thing that he should have done in the runabout where he just gets big and squishes everyone against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> then he just heads back to the station like, not to worry, Commander. <laughs> I've got it all sorted out. 
Yeah, he really yeah, doesn't. Derek won't be coming back. He doesn't He's lean into now. his power the way he should. Yeah. yeah. You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. Did you like the episode, Ben? I did. It, it was really fun and dynamic, and it does a nice job of drawing on seeds that were planted flax-like in previous episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, but without... You know, I don't. I don't feel like you need to have watched those previous episodes. It, no, it kind of it works by itself, but also is more fun in the context of those having existed. They managed to call a, that back without using a "Don't you see?" line of dialogue, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a, a break from the <laughs> "Don't you see?" episodes that we've had pretty fast and furious so far this season. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I liked it, and I like how evil the evil plan is that they've found themselves stumbling into. Yeah, I agree with you. I also like the episode, and I think it is for the scale of that plan that I really like it. Like the idea of a fleet of ships going through the wormhole to fuck shit up. Uh, that is a tantalizing proposition, and I low key am into any episode where Garrick's a featured character. So. That combination's yeah. pretty nice. I saw a film recently called Charlie Varick. Did I tell you about this? No. It's a Walter Matthau like, bank heist film, and Andrew Robinson is one of his accomplices in the bank heist. Wow. It's really fun. That sounds it's great. I'll have to see it. 1973 film. Where can we see it? I, I just watched it on uh, on uh, Amazon. You can like get it on... I mean, you have to probably pay like a rental or something. Cool. But... Uh, our friend Jesse Thorne recommended it to me after Elliot Kalin from the Flophouse recommended it to him. Huh. And uh, can't recommend it highly enough. It's 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 a fun it's fun to see Andrew Robinson not in loaf, you know, just but but he he plays like a similarly dangerous feeling guy. Hmm. So it was a lot of fun. I'll have to check it out. One thing we have to check out right about now, Ben is our Priority One messages. You want to see what we got in the box? I suppose so. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first Priority One message is of a personal nature. It's from Mathaholic, and it's to Chief Hazard. It goes like this. On our 18th anniversary of friendship and 15th-ish of marriage, I donated to, quote, charity, unquote, in your name. From the good old days of buying buying pirated Korean Star Trek DVDs pre-Netflix to stealing all my oatmeal to send a gift to the greatest gen, I wouldn't share my nerd obsession with anyone else. Love you. Thanks for being the Riker to my Troy. SSDGM. SSDGM. Yeah. Sounds like one of those uh, those high school yearbook codes, right? That Yeah. That means something obviously sexual. <laughs> yeah. Chief Hazard and Mathaholic have been friends for 18 years, Ben. Yeah, you and think Chief we'll Hazard that is far? the one that, that sent you the uh, the Odo bucket. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Josh Hazard, right? Yeah. From Haslabs. Yeah. Stole the, stolen oatmeal is what I didn't know I had received there. <laughs> it's almost as bad as stolen valor. 
Almost, Ben. Our second priority one message is from Plavim. What? And it is for Raz. Ben, we haven't gotten one of these in a long time. I know. That used to be like the main way we made a living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of thought that... uh, they had run into financial troubles. I was worried for a while. Good to hear that Raz and Plavim are both solvent. <laughs> they were. They came to our Minneapolis show in tuxedos and top hats. They they seem like they're doing pretty good. They really do. I was happy to see them there. Always a treat. Message goes like this, Ben. Do you remember burning pallets on the shores of Lake Michigan? <laughs> Your funeral pyre will be just like that, except you'll be screaming. <laughs> God damn! Fuck you, Raz. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Plavim! I got violent. Yeah, Plavim doesn't mess around. Fuck no, damn! You do not want to make an enemy of Plavim. That's for sure. <laughs> Never trust a man that's rich in flax or ink. <laughs> Uh, well, if you're rich in either, you can take it on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where messages of the threatening and personal nature are $100, and uh, the non-threatening and commercial nature are 200 and uh, both of which are just a great, great way to help fund the ongoing production of this show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Gotta get that, get that gold press You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES.
Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Yeah, I really did. It's fairly early on in the episode, though. It's when Odo and Cisco are talking to the female Tal Shiar person on the FaceTime. Yeah. And they just get through talking to her. And then they do that thing where as soon as they turn off the FaceTime, Odo takes a shot at the Romulan tailoring. <laughs> did this... Was this something that you noticed? Like, Do you think somebody in the writer's room saw the new Romulan uniforms and wanted to dunk on it? I kind of feel that way. Like, if you did not notice that they were in different costuming, uh, Odo highlights that here in this scene. And I thought that was great. Like, people very rarely make fun of other people's appearances in Star Trek, just in general. And this seems like an episode pretty full of that kind of cut. Like, both with Odo cutting down the costuming and with Garrick hacking away at that meat that is in Nabrantain's belly. Is the implication that he's being sarcastic and he's, say, he's saying that they're badly tailored uniforms? Or is he saying, given how great their new uniforms are, they would like a tailor? They, they, they obviously are friends to the tailoring community. <laughs> I mean, I would never... I would never seek to besmirch the great tailoring community that constitutes <laughs> more than half of our listenership, Ben. <laughs> so I think I, I better remain neutral. But that's like, it's, conf it's a confusing construction of the line. It is, yeah. I mean, I interpreted it as a cut because that is yeah. just what I am, that's what I do. <laughs> you, you, you interpret almost everything as a cut. Yeah, yeah. If somebody isn't physically handing you a present, you you walk away from every interaction going like, "God, what an asshole!" Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Kirk accepting glasses and a book for his fortieth birthday. He knows that's a cut. <laughs> Fuck you, Doctor McCoy. He's saying I'm old. <laughs> what about you, Ben? These gag gifts. Fuck you. 
Um, I've got a well, gag uh, gift for you. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> <laughs> My drunk Shimoda is, in fact, that Romulan Tal Shiar lady. Whoa, from that scene? Yeah, from that scene. You know, always a game of chess with them, except <laughs> for when you're talking to this lady who just puts it all out there and plays zero chess. She doesn't feel like playing games. She's tired no. of it. She's got other shit to do. She says so at the end of the conversation. Do you think that, like, because she's in the spy agency, it's like she's come full circle and she's just super upfront about everything? Like, she got so dissembling and evasive that she she came back around to just saying exactly what she means when she says it? You know what? If the Romulans, as a matter of policy, decided to change abruptly <laughs> into a truth-telling <laughs> manner of, of politics, I think it would take years for Starfleet to figure it out. Like, they would yeah. be tied into knots over how to <laughs> interpret things. That's sort of a, a great bit of spycraft if they chose to do it that way. Right. Yeah, you would never know what to think. <laughs> and then they switch back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're back to being chess players again. Yeah. Pretty shrewd. Wow. You, it's... You never know when you're playing chess with the Romulans. That, that's what the new saying would be. <laughs> Sometimes you're just playing tic-tac-toe. <laughs> Sometimes you're just sitting on a patio with the Romulans. Yeah. Not even playing a board game at all. Yeah, you're just uh, watching the day go by. Ben, what are we watching for the next episode? I imagine... It is the second of this two-parter. It is an episode called Season 3, Episode 21, <laughs> The Die is Cast. I wish that was the title of the episodes. <laughs> like that it included... Yeah, the season, season number and the episode, episode number. number. Yeah. <laughs> On the eve of a Romulan-Cardassian attack against the Dominion, Garrick may have to prove his loyalty to his former mentor by eliminating Odo eliminating him yeah like, like taking a shit of him like, is this something to do with his first name eliminating him like making him more like himself Ooh. <laughs> in how about that in an episode just full of the shittiest wordplay <laughs> how dare you that is the most fragrant oh god damn it i respect it though i hope it stays in <laughs> i'm not gonna edit that out it's your show. Keep it all in. Except all of my fuck-ups. Take those out. You want to see if we're uh, recapping this episode in any particular way, Ben? I do. I'm uh, getting my board game set out here. I'm at gach.biz slash game. Always a board game at the end of a Greatest Gen episode. Indeed. I love this game because uh, you can look at the great artwork by Felipe Sobriero. You know, and this was all coded up for us by our friend Craig Anderson, who uh, swears up and down that the uh, that the random number generator in the automated dice roll is real, but it has rolled us just a series of ones <laughs> lately. So many ones. Uh, we are on square fifty-one right now, mm. and uh, we could hit a quarks bar. We could also hit a looking at each other during depending on how this goes, Adam. Mm. Pretty exciting stuff ahead. I hope financially we don't hit the looking at each other during. That could <laughs> pose a big problem. We're going to need yeah. more Raz and Plavim powered priority one messages. 
The problem with that square is that we're almost always going to be booking those tickets on a very last minute basis if we hit it. So it's an expensive square to hit. I'm hoping for another one. I'm just going to say that. Put it off (laughs) is my vote. Wow. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Okay. I'm uh, going to, I'm shaking these, these dice in my hand, these, these two dice that somehow serve the function of one. (laughs) You ready for this, Adam? Yeah. Hit it. Oh man, I have rolled a three and we have landed on Quark's bar. <laughs> I, uh, this is actually great for me because my wife is not coming home for dinner and we are rolling right into our next record so uh i'll just uh after this i'll go buy myself a pork chop cook it up and watch a terrible movie ben i might have to propose uh something a little unorthodox which is an asymmetrical quarks bar whoa because uh mine is home we do have plans later <laughs> and I really can't be quarksed up for that. Oh man. So well, I will I would propose this. Okay. Uh, if if we were to do this in such a way where you were the only one at the bar and I was keeping you company there, you could drop that on me at any point wherein I would be solo quarksing. So I I mean, I think for this to be fair, I can drop it on you at any point. In any ep- upcoming episode, whatever the square we land on is. Right. That, that would I, be you, correct. I, you, I have a rain check on you, you that I can dangle over your head. It's like when you're a kid and you can't afford to give gifts, so you give coupons for like, <laughs> for like doing one, chores. One back rub. Yeah, exactly. Take, take the trash out without griping about it. So what I'm giving you is a coupon, redeemable uh, on a square that you see fit. What do you What do you say? Would that be fair? Or does that harm the, the spirit of this thing? I think it's perfectly fair. I mean, I'm sure you'll get a ton of shit on the internet about it, but um, Not as you deserve much it. shit as and I would be getting should I go into this evening corked up. <laughs> In-person shit is much more harmful than internet shit, so. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I can mute the internet. I'll agree to your terms, Adam, and... Uh, I will give you a reprieve on the next episode. You won't uh, be drinking alone. I will be easy sipping something. Yeah. I'll make more more of an effort than you will, (laughs) mezcal-wise. Always do. Uh, (laughs) Well, Adam, do you want to shut this bad boy down now that we know what we're going to be watching and how we're going to be watching it? We can't do so without thanking uh, a few of our favorite people, Ben. I want to thank Adam Ragusia, who makes all the uh, theme music for this show, and uh, Dark Materia, who made the original theme music for this show. Yeah, Dark Materia, wherever you are out there, it's been years since we've been in Holland, touch. Holland, maybe? Yeah. Uh, thanks again, and uh, hope you're doing great wherever you are. Yeah. Got to thank uh, Bill Tilly, our card daddy. Yep. At, uh, Bill Tilly 1973 on Twitter. He's making cards for every episode. Great cards, even. Not just cards. The best Great cards. Ones. Yeah. We should thank uh, J.J. Lendl, who's been making uh, amazing Juan Ortiz-esque 
movie posters for each episode of Deep Space Nine we've been watching it. And, uh, yeah. You, he's been putting those up and promoting the show as part of his tweets. That's really cool, and uh, we really appreciate that. Got to I'm thank- seeing lots of like cast members faving his tweets, which is really cool. Like I saw Rene Aubergenois <laughs> uh, put a fave star on on a recent one. That was really cool. It's really fun to see that, like, unbeknownst to those people, they are liking something associated with us, even if they have no <laughs> idea of our existence. That's that's yeah. neat, right? It's a Garrick-like level deception. <laughs> uh, I really want to thank everyone who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash donate and uh, have started the year off right by supporting Greatest Gen at the $5 level. Yeah. Uh, I know... I've uh, I've noticed an uptick in support recently, and uh, that excites me greatly. I'm hoping to go into 2019 strong. So keep yeah. it up, please, and thank you. And for those supporters, uh, if if it's not out already, pretty soon our big crossover episode with the Flop House about Star Trek V will be in the donor feed. There's also scads and scads of other donor episodes that you only get if you are at the $5 a month and up level. That uh, Flophouse crossover at Ben is so funny. Yeah. I am really excited for people to hear it. Those, those guys are the greatest. I, it was so fun to do that with them. I, I want to do more. I got like tired jaw from laughing doing it. And yeah. then when I had to QA the episode, I got tired jaw from laughing just listening to it. You hardly had any strength left to blow me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but you I just weren't it. that into it. I did it, it anyway. Yeah. I powered. I powered through. It wasn't one of your best, but <laughs> I understood. You know, you got to uh, you got to have a little salt to bring out the sweet and the real monster blowjobs. You know, you don't appreciate them if you don't get an average blowjob every every so often. <laughs> Well, uh, on that note, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and another episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that blows up every piece on the board. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.